0: Well, this morning we're continuing our sermon series that's leading up to the week of Easter entitled Stirred Up. Stirred Up. And we began a couple weeks ago by looking at the fact that God, throughout history, when God's people have been a little bit dormant or complacent, when God's people are in that place, God has a way of stirring his people up, stirring them up and waking them up. Like coming to a fire that needs to be rekindled and brought back together, bringing those embers together so that the fire blazes again. That's what God does. And we started by looking at an example in the Old Testament where the prophet Haggai was sent to God's people, God's people who had started to rebuild the temple but turned their attention to their own paneled homes as described in Haggai 1. While God provided a word of conviction through Haggai saying, you've left my house in ruins while you attend to your own homes. So God brought a word of conviction, but he also brought a word of encouragement. And that word of encouragement came in the form of four words, I am with you. And when God's people heard that conviction, then heard those words of encouragement, God stirred up the spirits of his people to join together and to get to work, to rebuild the temple. So we considered that a couple weeks ago. And then last week, we turned our attention to the New Testament, where God's presence is not so much found in a specific place as in a temple, but it's found in the midst of his people. And we considered the church as the body of Christ, His people. And we looked at Ephesians chapter four and the idea of what it means to be built up. Where the church is, again, not a building. That we say we go to church, we're going to the church. The church is the people of God. And so I say to you, thank you for bringing the church into this building. Because you are the church. The people of God. And so God stirs up the spirits of his people to join together. And so we're going to continue looking at what it means to be stirred up. What does it mean to be the people of God on the mission of God today? And to do that, we're going to turn our attention to the New Testament letter of First Corinthians. And we're going to see today that God has supernaturally connected us to come together to be one in Christ. And we're called to value one another in a church community. If you remember anything from this sermon, remember this. that God has supernaturally connected us. He's supernaturally connected us to one another in Christ. And we're called to value one another as a church community. But that's not an easy thing. Because as Colleen just prayed, We come from different backgrounds, different experiences, different walks of life. And the church not only can be, but is a messy place. If you're looking for a perfect, sterile, no issues situation, the church is a bad place to look for it. (laughs) Let's be honest. I know all of us long for that. We long to escape all the different conflict and tension that we have in our lives, and we hope that the church will be a place. But no, God works through that tension. He works through those differences to grow us to be more loving people. And the church is a wonderful place for that to happen if we let God do that. But it's hard because we come from so many different backgrounds with so many different experiences and even bring different gifts. My question to you today is, have you ever felt left out of a group or a situation? Have you ever felt like you didn't belong because you were different? Let me tell you a story going back to my freshman year, my first year in college. Growing up here in New Jersey, went down to the University of Virginia, and I don't know if it was a cruel joke by those who set up my hall, but my dorm hallway was full of everyone from the South, right? Texas, Alabama. I mean, we're talking the Deep South. Like there was no one from Jersey, no one from the Northeast. I was the only one. And those opening days, hours, and days and weeks, it was a it was culture shock for me. I remember the first day, we was like, oh, we're all going to go to, to dinner as, 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 a, as a floor. And so we, all the guys started heading down, and I found myself just running down the stairs and starting to walk quickly towards the dining hall and realized I'm the only one. As everyone was taking their time. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the birds in the trees. I'm like, come on, we got to eat. Let's move it. And then so we get to the dining hall, right? We get our food, and we sit down, and... <laughs> I mean, I just eat that food like that. And I'm looking around, and they're barely done with their first bite. And I remember my friend Garrett from Alabama looking at me and saying, Jeff, two two syllables for me, Jeff, you need to learn to slow down. I was like, what? I'm like, you need to speed it up. I'm like, we got things to do. We got places to go. I felt out of place. And for a while, they're like, yeah, that northeast that northeast guy, that Jersey guy, right? And, and I just felt like I didn't belong. I was different. Have you ever felt like you didn't belong because you acted differently or talked differently or maybe even looked differently or just was different? Right? And the body of Christ is when we see that when people come together and we're different, we can fall into that same trap where we can discount other people or, or alienate them because they're different. Or we may feel that because we feel different. We feel like we don't belong. And uh, we see that throughout, the good news is we see that it's, that was handled many times by the church, and that the Apostle Paul spoke directly to that at different points in the New Testament, how to bring different people together to be one church. And so the first Corinthians is one of those letters, and we're going to look at that as excerpt of that today, a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the community of Christians in the city, ancient city of Corinth. And this letter is quite a letter, because there were a lot of issues and challenges going on in Corinth. If you read through that letter, you will just it'll blow your mind. You think things are crazy today? Things were just as crazy back then. And over and over, the Apostle Paul says, now onto this, or now onto that. And every time he says the word now, he's moving on to a new issue that he, he needs to address with this brand new church of different people from different backgrounds coming together, trying to be the body of Christ, trying to be the people of God. And so we see that he deals with differences in, in, that, in, in that. And so in chapter 12, in the beginning, Paul reminds them of what they have in common. That what they have in common, no doubt, is Jesus. And by naming him as Lord, Jesus is Lord, he says in the beginning of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that that just points to the work of God's Spirit. Meaning that nobody could affirm and confess that Jesus is Lord and truly believe it unless God himself, God's Spirit, has worked in a person's life. And then he says in, chapter, in verse 7, he says that, this, that to each one, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit has been given for the common good. And so this Holy Spirit's been given to God's people, and it's been given for the, for the common good, and gifts have been given so the body of Christ may be built up. Uh, but before he gets to that, and you think about what it means to be a follower of Christ and to, and to have that Holy Spirit, we go back to the Gospel of John. In the beginning is a description. In the beginning, when John wrote that gospel, he said, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Listen to this. Children, not, not born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. Here's this truth in the gospel of John that every follower of Christ who believes that Jesus was who, was who he said he was and believes in his resurrection from the dead And believes that he died for the forgiveness of our sins. The promise of God is that we are born of him. We are supernaturally reborn. We're given a new life. And that new life includes the presence of God's spirit in us and with us. It's not a natural event. It's a supernatural event. And here, John makes it very clear. that Yet, to all who received him, it takes a step. If those who receive Jesus, who believe him, they could become... Children of God, part of God's family. And so part of the being part of God's family, again, you receive the Holy Spirit as a supernatural thing. And with that comes different gifts. But we saw in the we see in the in the New Testament, in, in this letter to the Corinthians, that there was differences when these gifts were present. And that some became jealous and envious of other people. They started comparing themselves, saying, Who's better? Who's got the best gifts? And then they started discounting one another. Some saying, well I guess I'm not as good as everyone else, I don't belong. Others saying, I guess I'm better than others so they don't belong. So Paul writes to address and says, no, we all belong. We all belong. We're all part of God's family, the church. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 27 today. We're going to take it in three separate blocks and look at this teaching. As we do, consider us as a church family, diverse people coming together but called to unity in Christ. Again, not for uniformity. We're not all to look the same and act the same, but to have unity in Christ is the driver of this passage. And so looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses starting in verse verse 12, we read this. Just as a body... Though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. i will stop there. So Paul here draws on a, a, an image that would have been very known, well, well known in, in, in antiquity, in that ancient time. That even the Stoics would have described as being a citizen of the state, as being a member of a body. So that's something that would have been known in Greek philosophy at that time. That would have been the air that they were already breathing. But here Paul applies that image to the church. And he has a twist on it. It's like, So there's many of you, and all of you are parts. You're part of one body And you're part of christ meaning you're included in christ if you believe and trust in jesus as your lord and savior you are supernaturally connected to one another you're in christ you have that in common why is that the case he says in verse 13 because they've been baptized by the one spirit included in god's family and they all have had one spirit to drink what an interesting image to drink the spirit not drink the kool-aid drink the spirit And to let God's spirit sink to the very depths of our. We we should never be spiritually dehydrated because we have the Holy Spirit of God in us. And we've drank and and we drink of that spirit. And he says, We have that in common. He says, a one body with many parts. But then he goes on to two other sections to address the problems when there's, though we're one body with many parts, that when there's differences, it could lead to contempt. And it could lead to some saying, I don't belong, and others saying, You don't belong. So starting in verse 15, we'll we'll deal with the first issue. He says this, Now if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Here Paul warns against and pushes against a self-analysis that would say, looking around, I'm different, others are better, so, I don't belong. And he cautions him. He says, if looking at something like a, a, a foot, if a foot was comparing itself with a hand and saying, wow, look at a hand, a hand can do all these types of technical things. As you think about the course of your days and how, all the different uses of your hand and what your hand accomplishes and does, a foot, maybe at first glance, just holds up weight. It's down in the dust. I mean, in comparison to a hand, I mean, what's a foot? Or maybe, like an ear, though, yes, hearing's very important, but comparing itself to an eye that sees, and all the visual and the the senses that we see, everything that we capture every single day by what we see, though hearing's important, an ear may start saying, you know what, that eye, they've got it going on. I'm out of here, I don't belong. So Paul's saying, be careful. Don't step into a self-analysis by comparing yourself to others and saying, wow, they're really special. I'm not, so maybe I don't belong. Maybe I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be a part of this. Paul warns against that, pushes against that. And he even goes as far as getting them up on the balcony of the big picture in verse 18. He says, but in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Paul's saying, God's done this. This is God's work. You're not part of the church by accident. You are important to the church. Every single one of you, Paul is saying. So don't look left, look right, compare yourself to others and say, I don't belong. They're more special than I am. They have special talents, they have special gifts. He says, no, every single one of you belongs. Now my fear of picking this passage for this sermon is that if you've been a part of the church, you've heard sermons on this passage before. Okay, yeah, the body of Christ, eyes, ears, feet, hands, we're all part of the body. Let's pray and go home and watch more basketball today, right? It could be that simple. no. What I want to share with you is Paul is writing passionately about this because this church is struggling. There are people who are looking around saying, maybe I shouldn't be a part of this. Maybe I don't belong. I'm not as good as others. And Paul's saying, stop right there. God has put you to be part of the church. He has placed you in the body. He has called you. He knows you by name. He says, you are mine. You are special in my sight. You are precious. You are part of this body. Paul's writing passionately to address that first problem. Someone who would look, wrong left, look left and look right and say, I don't belong because I'm not as special as others. That's the first problem. Now he goes to the second problem. Some may be hard on, like I tend to be hard on myself. So I'll compare myself and be like, I don't really fit in here. I'm not like everyone else. And so maybe I'll back away. That's my temperament. Other temperament would look left and look right and say, they're different, let's get rid of them. Let's, let's, get, let's go on offense. We're pushing these people out. That's these next verses. We're in 21. We read this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker and indispensable and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. So, here in this section, Paul's warning against and pushing against uh, an other's analysis, looking at others and and saying, and and judging and criticizing them, and for whatever reason, saying, now you don't belong. In essence, get out of here. And this oftentimes comes when there's differences that lead to contempt. Differences could lead to two actions. One, differences could lead to curiosity and even appreciation, or it could lead to contempt. And here we see in these verses a picture of contempt where there's differences, right? So like the hand would, the eye would look at the hand and say, I don't need you, or the head looking at a foot and say, I don't need you. It's it's this writing off of another person. Paul says, don't go in that direction. Every part is important, every part. And even the ones that seem less presentable or seem weaker are even more important in many ways. In the years of the original listeners in the first century would have been an old fable from about 494 B.C. Uh, There was a a fable from Menesius Agrippa that talked about uh, uh, the parts of the body that were not happy with the stomach. And the parts of the body said, here's what we'll do. We'll get back at the stomach. We're going to starve the stomach. And so by starving the stomach, they thought they would take out the stomach. What they didn't realize is by starving the stomach... They were weakening themselves. They were robbing themselves of the very nutrients and strength that they had. And so, by taking out something that was weaker and seemingly disgusting, the stomach, they were actually hurting themselves. So, in the hearers that when Paul was sharing this, they would have had that picture as well, saying, Oh, okay, yeah, the weaker, less presentable members, like the stomach, are just as important. Every part is important. But Paul, wonderfully, like he always does. Paul knows his culture. He knows his context. He knows what they're hearing and listening to. That's why it's important for us to engage in movies and music and hear the rhythms of what's going on in our culture, to be able to bring God's word and God's truth to bear. That's what Paul's doing here, taking that image of the body and the stomach and saying, Corinthians, Christians, that person you may not like or that person you think is expendable in the church or doesn't need to be around or maybe an annoyance to you, to be honest, they're like that stomach. And if you treat them badly, you're actually robbing yourself. You're hurting yourself and you're hurting the entire church. Each part is to be honored. Each part is to be seen as loved and known by God. And 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 because we're all connected. And that great verse in verse 26, if one part suffers, the whole body suffers. You think about a toothache. So I'm going to bring back some bad memories. Maybe if, if you ever had a, like a mouth sore that just takes over your whole body, you can't even think, you can't even move because it, like your whole body's like trying to rally to, to take care of that problem or back pain. For those of you who know of chronic back pain and just, or that pain that just takes over and you, and you can't do anything else, that's the image that Paul draws on here. If one part suffers, the whole body suffers. But flip side, if one part one part, rejo- one part does well, right? Let's, let's get the exact wording here. If one part is honored, he says, every part rejoices. And so if one part is honored, everyone should rejoice. You think about March Madness right now. You think about some of the shots, and you look at the crowds, and people just jumping up and going crazy. That's a full-body explosion of happiness, all right, we're going to go Jersey here right, with St. Peter's winning. I love seeing like, those images of down half an hour from here at the base of the Pulaski Skyways, this little little college, and in a gym, everyone's going nuts because they shouldn't win anything. They're, it's a full body experience. That's what Paul's putting out here. It's like, when one part's honored, the whole body rejoices. And that should be the reaction of all of us when one part's honored. Paul's saying we're all connected in the good and the bad, and yes, even the ugly, and then because he, he concludes in verse twenty-seven when he says, "He says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Don't lose track of it." Paul's saying, and by extension to us today, don't lose track. Each and every single one of you is important, beloved and known by God. None of us should be left out. None of us should be pushed to the side, whether by our own decision, saying, "I don't belong." Or by looking at someone else and saying, you don't belong. As followers of Christ, we all belong to him together. We're all connected. We all belong in Christ. We all are important to him. And we need to be important to each other. Someone said years ago, the party is not the same when this one person didn't show up. Do you know that's really at the church? That the party's not the same? If one of you doesn't show up, If you miss on a Sunday or miss your small group or miss a class or a gathering, that gathering or that worship service, that worship, it's not the same. When you come, you're part of the party, of the the party of worshiping God, of being in His presence. You are important to God, and you're important to others around you. So, what does that mean for us today? These words from 1 Corinthians 12 27 apply to, to us. You are the body of Christ. And you are important, like I've said. I invite you to turn to your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are important to our church. Say it right now. Now turn back to your neighbor and say, and so are you, and so are you. Why there's laughter. No, but the fact that. Hear this truth from God. You are important. No matter what you have been through, no matter what choices you've made, you're human. We're all human. We have all sinned in some capacity. We've turned away from God. God is not surprised by that. He sent His Son to die for you, He loves you. You are important. And you've affirmed that with one another here. And we could continue to affirm that with each other in the days and months and years ahead. We need to hear that in a world which there's so much that is beating us down, whether it's other individuals or family members or struggles or negativity that hits you. If the one place is true, though it's not perfect, that the church, we could affirm and believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has created us, knows us, loves us, and that you're important to Him. And because of that, each of us. It's important to one another. God knows you by name. You are important. If I could, I would start just naming out names. I've done that before. We don't have time for that today. I see you, all of you. I see you online as well through the, through the camera. You are important too. And uh, for those, if, if you haven't had a chance to come back or don't feel comfortable, hey, you're joining us online. We're glad you are. But if you are capable of coming back to be here, we want to see you in person to join the party here. The more that we're together, the more that we could sense that togetherness in Christ. And may that be the case. Here's one thing to remember, one thing to do as we finish today. One thing to remember is where I started God has supernaturally connected us to one another in Christ. And we're called to value one another as a church community. Again, look around the room. Just look left and look right. Look around. Whether you may like it or not, as followers of Christ, you are supernaturally connected. Not just now, but forever. Forever. Now the good news is in the presence of God and resurrected bodies, all of our quirky, sinful, weird stuff, the ways that we offend each other, that'll be all gone. So that's gonna be great for eternity. (laughs) But right now we gotta let God do a little more work on us and that spiritual surgery and that's part of the beauty of relationships is working that piece out. But either way, we are supernaturally connected. I'm grateful I'm supernaturally connected to you with the same Holy Spirit, connected in Christ, not only now, but for eternity. And if we start to look at each other that way as a church family, it gets a little different. This is not just a club that you join or a place that you pay dues and have membership to get services. We're a body, we're a family, and we're a team that God has called together for his purposes in the world. So we're supernaturally connected. One thing to do, hear this, hear God's truth. You are important to our church, every single one of you. You are important to our church. You're important to me. You're important to God. You're important to our leadership. You're important to our church. Hear that truth and share. One thing to do this week is to share that truth with other people. Look for opportunities to say, like you did before, you are important to our church. And continue to seek out your specific role with New Providence Presbyterian Church. That's one thing to do as we continue in this sermon series. There's many ways this loosening the soil as we continue to make our way out of this pandemic. Find ways to stir things up to find our place again with our church. A couple questions for reflection as we finish. One, when have you felt like you didn't belong to a group? and other of how you viewed yourself in comparison to others or how others treated you? It goes back to that story from my first year in college. When is that? When have you felt that? Think about that um, as you consider how you interact with others. Number two, to what extent do you see yourself as supernaturally connected with other followers of Jesus in the church? And how does that shape your interactions with them? Think about that this week. If indeed that is true, that we're just not a bunch of individuals who believe in Jesus and go to heaven, but we are a connected family, supernaturally connected, how, does it, how can that impact how we interact with one another? Number? number three, who can you encourage today or this week by saying you are important to God and to our church? pray about that. And if you have a prompting of the Spirit, call someone. Send a text message. Drive by their house. Beep the horn five times. Whatever it takes. Let them know. Let them know that they are important to God. And uh, may we be mutually encouraged in that. And this is not just a role for me as the pastor. Not just a role for our elders you know, who, yes, are called to discern the mind of Christ and provide spiritual spiritual direction for church. Or just for our deacons who provide that care and Compassion for a church, this is for all of us. So even as we look towards this week where you'll receive an email that talks about nominations for elders and deacons, keep this in mind as well. Elders and deacons are set aside for a specific function. They're not superheroes. Right? In God's eyes, we're all superheroes. Uh, but some are called to that specific role. But no matter what, all of us are called to give this encouragement to another. Imagine if we all did this. Right? What would be different? Imagine being a church where we all really knew that we were important to God and an important part of our church, and that we were affirming that and encouraging one another with those exact words. Imagine what type of church that would be. Imagine how attractive that would be. People who are struggling in this world, who need to know that there's people who actually can care and care in a Christ-like manner, that they would want to be a part of this family and this church. And then seeing how that plays out as we each find our place, play our role and build up the body of Christ for his glory and for his name's sake. Let's pray, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the gift of your word, for the gift of this letter to the Corinthians years ago, people who needed grace, who needed direction. God, you brought together people of so many different backgrounds, Lord, even of race and in terms of Jews and Gentiles, different social status, the slaves and those who are free. Lord, you broke down those walls and you brought people together, but it was hard. And they needed instruction. So with the instruction that was given nearly 2,000 years ago, help us to apply it today. I pray for each person that they would know that they are important, God, important to you, important to our church. And God, may your grace come to them today in a fresh way that they would know that to be true. And help us to encourage one another in that in the days and weeks and months ahead. Oh, Lord, we give ourselves to you. We look forward to what you're gonna do from this teaching. Again, may we be your light and love in this community and beyond and may it start here in our relationships. We praise in Jesus' name, amen.